0: to go with,
1: with more
2: of them. the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Hi, right, back with you. Here we go. Hour number two of the show. Off and running with you. I'm Matt, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. SeaSpire customer inspired. Feel free to text or call. We had some good phone calls today. Good to hear from everybody. Y'all call the Divini phone, 995 1059. Got it? That's the number to call, 995 1059. You can text me on the country please and text line, 885 3776. 601 number, 885 3776. Beautiful day outside. Gonna be a little warm this week and then front comes through and it really cools off. I was looking at last forecast I saw said that Saturday it was like high in the 70s, low may get down in the 50s. It's going to feel like fall maybe this weekend, which is perfect for hot coffee. Hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. You go to highpointroasters.com. Hold on, I'll show you the logo. Hold tight. There it is right there. See that? High Point Roasters. Go to highpointroasters.com. This this coffee is uh, from Nicaragua. Hold on. I'll show you how good it is. Hot coffee. So when you join the show, you comment maybe on the live stream, on the Murray West live thread. It's just like grabbing a chair, having a seat, plop down, join the conversation. I'll even pour you some hot coffee in your mug. So let's see. Let's see. Bmac. He's on the Murray West live thread. He's on YouTube. He says there's no way State makes a bowl this year, and in no way is capitalized. <laughs> there's no way. Roshana says on Facebook, "Get that young guy ready. If we're going to lose, I'd rather be losing for the future." <laughs> it's one way to look at it. Um, G Bama Boy said, "Will would be terrible." Behind Bama's average offensive line, we have the right guy. Look, I'm going to tell you, Alabama, that's a nice win for them, but you know, State didn't play very well in some regards, and, and Bama really didn't do anything the State's defense that other teams hadn't done, including South Carolina, including LSU. And neither of those are world beaters. And I just watched Alabama the other night and go, I don't know. That they don't look quite there yet. I mean, they're, they're good, and boy, do they have a few athletes that are really good, for sure. Uh, for sure. And they got some linemen. Man, that quarterback is a great athlete, but they're not there yet. Uh, they, they got a little ways to go, too. Sven says, we, meaning state, will go 7-5. and five. I believe in my Bulldogs. There's no way Ole Miss comes into our place and takes the egg away. And let me just tell you, okay, Sven, the way they have looked and the way they have started the season, you know, you're sitting there with two wins right now. You know, if you go in here and get five more wins and finish with seven wins, that's going to be a heck of a job by this coaching staff and this, this team, for sure. Again, injuries, defensive front, got a depth issue there now. And so winning five would be, winning the remaining home games, including the Egg Bowl, and picking up one on the road. And the ones on the road are Arkansas, Auburn, and Texas A&M. Stranger things have happened. But, again, it would be a heck of a testament to this team, to where they are now with all the noise and the way things have looked and giving up all these points and everything to, to figure something out, hold it together, you know, Weld this thing, galvanize this team together, and go out here and win five more. That'll include, you know, at least one on the road. That that would be a that would be a heck of a statement. Now I'm gonna tell you, and it's possible. It has happened before. Will commented and said, "I liked the advantages the air raid held for our program. I'll never understand why so many of our fans." Would rather watch us run up the middle three times before punting it. <laughs> I can see a little bit of both. I mean, I do understand the idea of, you know, how a run game can benefit you in so many ways. And and when you have a guy like Woody Marks, how you wanna have a way and a system that could really utilize him. I, I understand all those things. You know, and a lot of really good offensive coaches that even came through the Mike Leach system, the Mike Leach tree. So they were obviously a part of the old you know, sure enough air raid that he ran which is they've been doing it that way for 25 years. Throw it all over the place. All the time. And a lot of really good coaches came through that and either if you wanted to say modified or maybe the better word would be modernized that air raid. And it started to include athleticism at quarterback and RPOs a little more and Maybe a little more run game and run check and those kinds of things. Um, The Lincoln Rileys and the Dana Holgerson's and the Kingsbury's and those kinds of guys. Um, But it has its advantages. And the ability to put it in the air and make people defend that, they get you sometimes. But I kind of – I used to like, Will, the idea of also being – Something that was different every time they ran up on you. It didn't always work, again. But you know, a defense had to prepare for you totally a different way than the team they did the week before or the team they were going to do next week. I used to like that, but look, all that's I guess the air raid stuff's in the past. You know, it's it, it's just a conversation for people like me and you. <laughs> uh, but in terms of implementing it, I guess that's. That's out, the, that's out the gate. Will went on to say, we make the opposing quarterback look like a Heisman candidate. Daniels, Rattler, Milrow. Milrow went eight for eight to start the game and said he ain't exactly that accurate. I mean, so there is an issue there, too, from a coverage perspective of, you know, even if you extend a play and, uh, you know, let's just say if you take a, Uh, against an opponent, and you take the bulk of their pass plays, right? And let's say a team throws it 30 times. That's a lot, but and Milroy didn't throw them. Let's just say they throw it 30 times. Well, in those 30 plays against their pass game, you're going to have, you know, a certain percentage where you make the play. Either you get the quarterback out of the pocket or you get a pass breakup or something, you know. Or you causes the you know a route to get squeezed and there's nowhere to put the ball you know some things like that, or you cover it and he throws it out of bounds you know. So from a coverage standpoint, those things just aren't happening. They ain't happening. <laughs> they are not happening. And man, they are going for career completion percentages against you. And you look up and there's a lot of times when they're completing balls and it's not even in a tight window. I mean it's just wide open. And which tells you you're having zone coverage deals where you got too many guys that are trying to do their job in a certain spot of the field but are not really loosening up and playing football within that spot of the field. You know, again, the old idea that all zone coverage becomes man coverage at some point. You know, like I'm a f- underneath flat defender, I get there in my drop. Nobody's coming in a flat, I turn and find somebody. Go. <laughs> Or I, I go to the flat, here comes. Somebody, all of a sudden, boom, he comes in my zone, zip. I'm in man coverage now because he's in my zone. You lock it up, make a play. And so I don't know what the deal is. But I've not seen – what if I were to ask you this question? And, I mean, you can look it up. I mean, feel free, but you may already know. When's the last time a Mississippi State defense had a stretch like this? A three-game stretch like this. 41 at home, 37 on the road, 40 at home. And I know that this 40 was a little different because seven of that was on the offense. And then you were turned over on your own end. But still. When's the last time State had a stretch like that? Defensively. Three games, conference or not, 41, 37, 40. And quarterbacks in three games who combined – to throw somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven incomplete passes in three games. I can't think of a stretch like that. I mean, I really can't. That's tough, man. That is tough. I'm going to bring this one up because it's a compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> On the YouTube Live stream. he's on the Murray West live thread with a comment Mark says, and Matt listening to you is much better than the TV guys. Well, man, I appreciate you listening to me and Neil and Jay during the game for our broadcast of the games. We, we try our best to give you the game and get ourselves out of the way as much as possible. Will agrees. I appreciate that. Jimmy comments and says, Kentucky is more physical and better coached on defense. They don't have the athletes of Bama, but they look good. Well, they certainly are well coached, right? Like, you know, he's been there forever and the, the program is solid and everybody kind of knows what to do. <clears throat> and uh, boy, they they were like blood in the water with Florida coming in there. They felt like Florida was overrated and they forevermore made it look that way. Um I mean that was a little it but looked like a pretty dominant win for Kentucky. And it's they are so puzzling. At how good they can be there at home at times and then how turn around be so bad away from there. <laughs> now, I was talking about. Um, it looks like on defense you got a lot of guys who are thinking in the secondary. Nancy said, "Was it worse with Sermon?" Oh, it was. It was definitely worse. That 2016 year, the I think it was 16, right? Yeah, 2016 year when Sermon was a defensive coordinator there. I, that was, oh, that was tough. You talk about defensive guys who were trying so hard to think everything they were supposed to think, and they would just lock up, freeze. <laughs> they didn't really play. And then I guess it was the next year, 17, when Sermon came in there, and it was so, i uh, am not Sermon, but when uh, Grantham came in there, and for, for better or worse, whatever, I mean, it was so different. The minute that Grantham came in there, how those guys would fly around and just play football and react. And it's like, okay, we are not going to coach you to make mistakes. But if you do make a mistake, make it going 100 miles an hour. (laughs) And that's the way they played, and so it was refreshing. So the the paralysis by analysis that you had on that defense in 2016 under Sermon, this is not to that level. My opinion. Not yet, anyway. White Denzel on the country-pleasing text line. Says, Matt, I told some buddies in a group chat Saturday morning that all I wanted before I turned 40 in December was for State to throw a touchdown pass versus Alabama at home for the first time since 2011. Got my wish, and I'm happy now. Hey, and you know what else, Denzel? Go back and look. Pittman, the running back. That was a great catch. Little play-action deal. He's out of the backfield. Will's moving to his left, so he's right-handed, moving left. Not an easy throw, but he but he throws it, and it's not accurate because it's not in front of him. And this is a running back who's running flat down the, the goal line, hits him on the back shoulder, and he like pinned it on his shoulder pad, caught it, stayed up, 360, manages to lunge, and just gets into the end zone before the knee touches down. That was a heck of a play by Pittman, the running back right there. It's a great catch. People don't realize, I know pads are different now. You know, 20 years ago, running backs had these giant shoulder pads, neck braces, and they were like, you couldn't get them to catch anything over their head because their arms couldn't reach over their head. So you had to throw it down here, and it's different now. But still, I mean, it's not a receiver. It's a running back. You put him on his back shoulder, and he pins it on his shoulder pad. That was a heck of a play. Bodine Dog texts the show and says, Matt, I just believe in Will Rogers. He's a winner. He'll get it going. Just believe. He says, your show is the best. Thanks, Bodine Dog. I really do appreciate that. I think Will is a winner, too. I think he is, too. And I think he's, he's fighting, you know. But some of the stuff I saw in that game the other night, you know, against Alabama, playing a really good team, uh, or, well, you're playing a, a good team and a, certainly a lot of really good athletes at Alabama. But what I could see from him is that the, the, the managing the game aspect at times that goes along a quarterback position started to get away from him because I think he was getting sped up up here, and he's just thinking about plays and points, plays and points. And that led to some decision-making things that, for him, I guarantee you, Will's been playing football so long. Coach's son played it throughout high school. He's a start, fourth-year starter in college. He knows all this stuff, and it's tough to sit down, watch a film, and realize, "Damn, I didn't think of that. My head was somewhere else, or I had something else going on. But this is what I mean by it, some of the game management stuff. You know, the interception before halftime. You know, we fought the interception, the decision to throw there, the throw that's behind the receivers to the defender. Okay, all those physical things, but the decision to not – like, go overboard protecting the ball. There is the problem. Just to eat it, don't throw it, throw it out of bounds, bounce it to somebody, whatever, because it's kind of like protecting the offense when you're going in and you only need a field goal. You don't take chances trying to throw a touchdown when you only need a field goal to win. If it's there, take it. If it's not, just bounce it, sail it. Tubas, cheerleaders, students, throw it in the stands. You know, you protect that if you're down two and you need a field goal and you're in field goal range. Well, in that situation, Bama just scored, make it a two-score uh, two game, but State's going to get the ball in one minute of game time to start the third quarter. It's a minute left in the half. So the number one priority is just get it into halftime without giving them the ball back. That's the number one priority. It's not to get a drive going in a minute. It's just not. Yes, you would love to go two for one, but the thinking is right there, It should be the same for head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback. All in lockstep. You don't even have to say it. They know. Right here. We don't get aggressive unless we have an excuse to. We don't get aggressive right here unless we have a reason to. So if we go inside zone on first down, and, yes, it looks like we're just running the ball to kill it. But if we pop the run, and he makes 12 and he's out of bounds, and we look up and there's 50 seconds left, okay, second down, maybe we do throw it, but it's super conservative. I'm protecting the ball he's not open, I'm about to get hit, zip, (laughs) throw it out of bounds. Oh, he is open, they're only giving me this underneath throw for three, I take it, step out of bounds. But if he breaks a tackle, if he breaks a tackle and we get it across the 50, now it's different. Now it's totally different. Now we have a reason to be aggressive, now we're aggressive. But you see what I mean? So the decision to go after something right there is what really leads to the issue and the decision is the start of that. That's a game management deal. Coach Arnett, after the game, to his credit, he goes, you know, looking back at that, as a head coach, that should be my decision to just take a get it in the locker room. Because what did State do? At that point, it's a two-score game. What did State do to start the third quarter? Took the opening second-half kickoff, went down the field and scored. Ifs and buts were candy and nuts, you got a one-score game in the third quarter, everything feels different. So the game management part of it, you let that get away, it sort of magnifies when you make mistakes on top of it. Another couple of examples. There was a there there were a couple different times in the second half where State's offense, because of the game getting stretched out, were forced to go for it on fourth down. All this stuff is easy to talk about when you're me and you and we're sitting up in the press box or sitting up in the stands or we're talking about it on Monday morning. That's all easy. okay? There's a reason you do all this practicing and working on it so that You know, if you're in the uniform or if you're in the the booth, you take care of these things. One of them was a fourth and nine. And, yes, you're on your own into the field there. But on that fourth and nine, you're forced to go for it. You're throwing a ball. They kind of know you're going to throw it. So they're going to heat up their pass rush. Well, what's got to happen on fourth and nine? What's the one thing that must happen on fourth and nine? The ball must be in the air. <laughs> it's got to come out. There's no extending the play trying to make something happen late. There's no such thing as, you know, making a perfect play within the play. No, no, no. no. This is throw a punt. Dare them to intercept it after you heave it down the field. Just get it out. You got to give somebody a chance on fourth and nine. So fourth and nine is when you throw the punt. If they want to catch it, catch it. You're already taking a chance because of the situation in the game. Anyway, you're already conceding if we don't get it, they get the ball here. So if they let it fall, they let it fall. Dare them to interception, intercept the ball down there. The heck with stats. Throw it. It must come out. It's easy to say when you're not in there holding the ball and they're rushing five. Okay, I get it. It's easy to say. But, again, the game management part of it is thinking at all costs the ball will come out. I'll throw it left-handed before I sit back and take the sack. I'll throw it early before I hang on to it late. Snap. Uh, Here it comes. I throw a punt. I throw a jump ball. Somebody go in there and maybe get a tip. We we at least must have a chance with the ball in the air. So you throw the punt on fourth and nine, partly because of how the defense is going to play it. Well, we know later in the half – there was a fourth down and four. They were forced to go for it on fourth and four. Well, that was the time you tried the go-ball timing route, like throwing a punt. You throw it to the right, and that's another issue. The offense is very right-handed. When you think about deep throws, when you think about shots, when you think about a lot of throws, a lot of plays, State's offense is very right-handed. You don't see very many, if any, throws to the left side of the field that aren't crossing routes. So the safety is already, he's watched film, he's he coach, he knows, he's already thinking he's going to throw it to his right. And he was right. He played it, ball underthrown just a little bit, but on fourth and four is when we're throwing the punt. Just get it out for a chance when on fourth and four you don't really have to, right? Game management stuff. Fourth and four defenses play much differently than they do on fourth and nine. Fourth and nine, what are they doing? I'm coming to get you. <laughs> fourth and four, shoot, he may run it. They may run a screen. We got to be a little more honest on four than four. So, just an example of it wasn't just will. I think it's you know from a from an everything standpoint, some of the game management stuff got away from them. And then when you, when that happens, and then there are mistakes mixed in on top of it, it is just so magnified. Believe me, I've been there. I made a lot of them mistakes. <laughs> a million years ago when only 40,000 people were watching as opposed to a million people watching. So, again, easy to say from the press box. Easy to talk about, hard to do. And that's some of the stuff they're dealing with right now. Y'all stick around. That one is huge! The
3: amazing
2: play, Matt Wyatt, has got it all for you. Just listen to that. Here we go. Back with you, I'm Matt in the bureau. A lot going on, a lot going on, and let's try to let's try to get a lot going on. First up on the Divinity Equipment phone line on line one, Craig. Calling in. What's up, Craig? Thanks for calling.
1: Hey, Matt. How you doing, man? Doing, doing great. Okay.
2: Good to hear your voice, Craig. How are you? I,
1: yeah, I'm good. I have a question at the end. I'm going to make a comment, a couple comments. And I've got a question. No one is talking about it on the defensive side of, of Mississippi State. Okay. Um, And that question is in regard to John Lewis. Mm-hmm. As, as you are well aware, I was uh, the play-by-play guy for Germantown for 11 years. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of great football players. I, I try to look at this in a non-biased way. He was the best defensive player in high school football that I saw in 11 years. And I think a lot of people, a lot of players that played against him will say the same thing. The one thing he could do was get to that quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the season first started, he was on kickoff. He was blowing people up against Southeast Louisiana. He's the guy who knocked the up back into the punter and, block, and blocked the punt that we scored on. Mm-hmm. Uh, since that time, they have slowed him down on kickoffs, and they started. He did play against Bama um, uh, a, a little bit more because of injuries. But what they're doing with him is they're, they, they got him on the edge, but they're dropping him back into some type of zone coverage. I, you know, I'm not one to criticize coaches or players uh, publicly at all, and I'm not criticizing anybody. I know the kid. I know what he can do. I've seen him do it. If he had one assignment, in my opinion, <clears throat> get to the quarterback, uh, I think it would benefit State's defense because he can get pressure. For example, he played, I think, one play against Arizona on the last play. I may be wrong in the one play, but it wasn't many. He was the guy who pressured uh, Arizona's quarterback on that last play out of the pocket. Now he didn't break down, he didn't make the sack, but he was close. If you go watch the replay, and he, you know, he almost got the first down. So I'm wondering if you could find out for me why they have slowed him down on kickoff uh, and, and and not rushing him any from the outside. Yeah, uh, if like you off notice, the edge. Watch film Yeah, off the edge. I mean. You know, I know John personally. I know the way he plays. If you give that kid one assignment, get the quarterback. I'm telling you, the kid's going to have some facts. There's no question in my mind. But it looks like they've done something different with him where they're taking away his killer instinct. Mm -hmm. And that's the way John plays. So, you know, it's just something nobody's really noticed because I watch the kid all the time. I watched him grow up. I know what he can do. And it just doesn't seem like they're using him, you know, to the to what he to his strengths. Okay. And I, you know, there, there may be great reasons. I don't know the
0: reasons, but that's my question.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, um, Craig. And yeah, I, I'm a fan of his too. And ever since he's been at state, whether it be scrimmages, spring stuff, uh, flashing in a few, ball, a few games, ball games, you know, you see John. You'll see 37, he'll pop off the screen, like you say, earlier in the year on some special team stuff, the block punt deal, um, some of that. He's a big-time athlete, and I think that, you know, there's a it's the easy answer for me is like, you know, you defer to the coaches. I mean, they obviously know what he's doing, uh, what they're doing, and. And there could there have been some injury things with John in the past, you know, in terms of staying healthy. And I know that he played in all four quarters the other night against Alabama, but it felt like you know that was partly because of necessity, with uh, Demonte Russell hurt. Don Terry Russell had a great game, still undersized, just a redshirt freshman. John was out there. Does seem like more of a pass rush threat than maybe you know run stopper threat. But um, I will say, you know, for all of us, if if we see one uh, thing happening, it's that young guys are definitely going to get a chance to play because they are thin, thin, thin right now. i tell you what else is thin. i tell you what else we're thin on right now in the state of Mississippi. Rain. Are we going to get any rain anytime soon? Right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line is Jonathan McMillan. Representative Jonathan McMillan, District 58, but also is running the show up there at Davini Equipment on Highway 51 in Madison, and uh, he's on your phone line right now, and on your radio right now, and Jonathan, hey, last time I talked to you, we were talking about deer hunters planting food plots, waiting on rain, well, deer season, I'm sorry, both seasons started a couple days ago, and we're still waiting on rain, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs>
0: still waiting on rain i think my, my lot outside i think i've got powder on top of powder on top of powder and it's been the wind's been blowing today so we've got dust blowing everywhere yeah. so yeah we need some rain big time big time big so, time
2: anyway. when i was driving this weekend you would go through these places where they were uh combining soybeans you know And, man, Mm -hmm. there would be dust clouds for miles and miles because there's just been no rain. But as that relates to, okay, last time we talked, uh, deer hunters planting food plots. We talked about the no-till drill, that being an option to preserve what moisture you have. Like, where are we now? What's that situation now out there? We've got, I mean,
0: I, I think it's pockets, Matt. I think from what I gather, people coming in here, like up oh, your way, you you may have actually had a little bit more rain we have. than what we've had. It's not much, City. but
2: we have had a little more, yeah.
0: So I know there's different pockets around the state. From what I gather, this actually got a little bit more, you know, a little bit more rain than 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 some here, right here in central Mississippi, where I'm in Gluckstadt. Man, it's just been dry as the bone. I mean, we had. We had a football game last Tuesday or Tuesday, maybe a week ago, and we were in Jackson. And I mean, it came up, and it was a good shower that came up, but it was just one of those pop up showers that set right on top of us, mm-hmm. and it did not move north at all. So we got absolutely nothing right here in Gluckstadt, you know. So I think we've seen a lot of that, and from from what I gather, just talking to people, everybody's still kind of in that holding pattern, you okay. know. We have had some people go ahead and plant, uh, you know, depending on where they are, depending on you know what their soil conditions are. Um, but there's a lot of people just waiting. You know, I was talking to some of the, my Pennington guys and my seed guys, they were here last week. And I mean, really, I mean, you know, you know, people have been pushing it back and back the time they plant just because historically October is our driest month anyway. Yeah. So a lot of people have been waiting to like that middle of October toward the end of October to plant, you know, this year, I think, you know, people may, or are probably going to push it into November depending on what it's going to do. So, I mean, you're still okay uh, planning, you know, you know, that first middle, middle of November, you're still okay to where, you know, you have enough time for it to germinate for you. But once you kind of start getting past that, you know, just, you should just germ rate, you know, you just not gonna have much of the season left, you know, and then, then right. it's just going to get cold. So anyway, See, that's
2: kind of what I wondered is, all right, so let's just say, you know, what they call the hills and the Delta region, most of the state for deer hunters. And then you get to November when the gun season rolls around here we are, so both season September 30th. Here we are October 2nd. So if you haven't planted, there is still time for all that? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot, lot of people, like I said, I mean, here, I mean, really the past five, six years, I mean, people have waited to the middle of October to plant anyway, uh-huh. just because it is historically dry in October. So, where what will happen is, just like now, you know, if you were to, if, if somebody were to plant without any rain or, or, or not getting much rain, a month ago, sure that stuff's gonna come up, but then without any rain on top of it's just gonna it's just gonna you know, fry it and it's it's not gonna continue to germ, it's not gonna grow. Mm-hmm. So then you then you're stuck with a if you want on food plots, you're gonna have to replant. So a lot of people just kinda avoid that. They just wait until the historically the dry season is over, which would be you know, get get through middle of October. You know you're gonna get some rain toward the end of October, probably in November. Where at least if you get it in the ground, you should have some showers on top of that. Yeah, you know, so yeah, so sure. at least you won't have to go and replant. Um I was. But like, we've had a bunch of folks say just to heck with it. I'm just going to put corn out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what you run into too. Well,
2: know? and then uh, here's my right. question on that. Okay, if you just put corn out, what if you have hogs on on that property, like wild? Yeah, hogs. I mean
0: it's. It, you know, hey, yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean the. It, for, for your whole, not not only for the deer but turkey. I mean, if you're going to do if you're going to do plots, I mean, the best thing is to is to get you a good mix that's got multiple seeds in there. That way, those those seeds germinate or hit at different times. Mm-hmm. Um You know, that's that's the best way to do it.
2: Right? Hey, don't you love it? Somebody like me, Jonathan. Every time you bring up a solution, I got another problem to ask you about. Don't you just love that? <laughs>
0: fireman hat, baby. That's what we got.
2: <laughs> Put the fireman hat on, man. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, hey, and uh, I looked here. So, this weekend, in the Jackson area, temperatures are supposed to drop. Like, you get to Saturday, there there's a little front coming through at the end of the week, and it doesn't give it tons of rain chances on Friday, but there's a little bit of a chance. That's better than nothing, I guess.
0: I, yeah, I think I saw somebody we were talking this morning about it. I think it's going to get down to the 50s, and you you may even be, be mid-40s where you are. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But I, I think they, they can't, maybe 30% chance, you know, kind of hit or miss. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we may, get, we may get a little here or there, but... That's sure not going. Even even with that, I mean, as much of a deficit that we're in right now on the on the on the rain, I mean, that's yeah. that's not going to do enough to yeah. to fix our problem. You
2: know, yeah, so. yeah, we need a lot of rain for sure. Well, does that? Hey, when it's like that, does it hunting near a just real quick thirty seconds hunting near a water yeah. source that make it even more important? Maybe
0: it yes. always helps. Yeah, if you've got you know if you've got of course. People with their land, you know, plant, planting for habitat, you know, you definitely yeah. want to make sure
2: yeah.
1: you
0: have uh, adequate water and a good water source there, because yeah. right now you look at some of your little lakes and some of your ponds, and some of you They <laughs> it's dry. not much in it. I you know. know. So, anyway, yeah. that's it.
2: Well, you know, Jonathan, yeah. I just wanted to talk to a deer expert, so I called yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> expert, baby. Yeah.
0: I, you. I got, got you, expert, I you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, big guy. Y'all be good. Right. That,
2: you too. Appreciate it. That's Jonathan McMillan, House of Representatives, Dix, District 58, running Davinci Equipment all day, every day on Highway 51. Check out the no-till drill if you haven't already. I may do that myself. Stick around.
1: Hey, whether it's about winning the game or even losing the game. You're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now.
2: Back with you, I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Go with the home team. Uh, They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Now, uh, one more football thought, and then I got something else I want to throw at you real quick for funsies here on a Reaction Monday. I got a text from a friend of mine yesterday who is a photographer. He's a great sports photographer. Does high school work, college work, all kinds of stuff. And he had a really, like, cool picture of Will Rogers out in front kind of leading the team into the dog walk. And there was a really big crowd of tailgaters for the late game on campus beautiful afternoon saturday afternoon some of the images you know anybody that's in the photography videography world you know you talk about golden hour and catching it right as that sun is dipping over the horizon or coming up in the mornings so you get some images that time of day that you don't always get for this kind of stuff it's a really neat looking image and uh it had a caption He said, a young man dealing with a ton of change in the past nine months. From hero to villain, according to some. The weight of the world on his shoulders. And, uh, you know, I saw that. And it's a really honest sort of caption and thought as my friend looked at this photo that he took. Of the dog walk and all those people. And there's Will. He's The way the picture looked, he's kind of in that dog walk by himself out in front right there. And, you know... Yeah, there's some truth there, but immediately it hit me. I wanted to respond with, but it's just football. You know, I certainly respect the idea that this is really important to guys who play the game. And to guys that play the game at that age when you're 19, 20, 21. Uh, you probably don't have the perspective. I know I didn't necessarily have the perspective when I was that age of it's just football, but I kind of did. And certainly as I've gotten a little older, I look at it and go, I mean, it's just football. That's all it is. And you could say, well, you know, for a player like that, whether he plays well or doesn't might mean the difference in lots of money at the pro level. Well, so what? Who cares? Who cares? You can care about that all you want to, but ultimately that doesn't really even matter that much. People find a way to make a living. Make a small living, live in a small house. (laughs) Make a big living, have a big house if you want. I don't care. Small living, have a small boat. Big living, have a big boat. Whatever. Fine. But, you know, at this point in my life, I look at it and what I hope is that at every school, I don't care what a big deal people make out of it. And how much money is exchanging hands from one TV executive to one conference commissioner? I don't care. And one coach's record versus his other, correct, you know, and who's Hall of Fame more than I don't really care. And I hope that at every school, for every player, my hope would be that there's at least one coach or a whole staff of coaches and support staff and a parent or two who can look at him and go, hey, man, this isn't as big a deal as you might think it is. It's just football. It's going to end. Give it a few years. Everybody forget wins and losses. Your life's going on. A lot of the stuff that we're not even talking about is a lot more important than this. And I get it, that maybe you feel like at that age the weight of the world is on your shoulders. But you know what? It's not. The weight of the world is on the shoulders of that single mom. And she's working two jobs. Figuring out how to get to those jobs while getting her kids to school and home. that's That's the weight of the world on your shoulders. The weight of the world on your shoulders is that dad who he's farming, he's mowing, he's got a third job, he picks up odd jobs because he's got four kids and they're all hitting college at about the same time. I'm trying to figure out how to get, none of them are athletes. How are we going to get them through school? That's the weight of the world on your shoulders. It may feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders because they're booing you. Been there. (laughs) They had never had somebody get booed more than I did. It's just football. All right. For the first time today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, B. Hey, Matt Wyatt. How you doing? I'm all right. Have you enjoyed a, an hour and 45 minutes just listening to somebody else talk?
3: <laughs> hmm. Well, it's... I, you act like that's something new for me. I know. I spend an hour, 45 minutes listening to you talk. I spend uh, two, and these are with commercial breaks and whatnot, estimated times. I spend two and a half hours or two hours at least listening to Jake talk. So, Yep. Yeah. Whatever. It's every
2: day. It's it's just a regular day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The real miracle in that is that I don't put you asleep every day. That's the real miracle in all this. Hmm. Okay, Beaver, I have to ask you a question about a TV show. Now, not this one. I'll get to the one. Uh, First one is this one. Uh, On this day in 1983, uh, the tenth season of this show began. Do you remember the Jeffersons? Are you old enough to have to remember them a little bit?
3: A little bit. I never really yeah. watched it. I mean, I caught a couple
2: episodes okay. here and there, but aware oh, of it. Though. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Great theme song. One of the best ever. Here we go. Yeah. So the Jeffersons is a great show. It's a really funny show. Um 1983. The one I wanted to ask you about, Beaver was I wonder if you ever watched this one. On this day in 2006, the 100th episode of this show aired. Now, any clues as to what the show is, Beaver? Let's
3: see. Not in, not in C.I.S. Oh, you're so close. One of those
2: cop style shows. Yep. CSI Miami. Oh, no. That's it. Yep. They had the redheaded guy, you know? So, my question you said one NCIS, this is CSI Miami. You know, it had Horatio, whatever, the redheaded guy who kind of the lead character. Did you ever watch that? No.
3: I, no. Okay. no, it was never really something I got into. But, I mean, I know that they had these. He was the one that always made cheesy lines. Yes. Like, like, okay, let's say, for example, they're, well, they're examining someone or they're, they're, you know, crime scene. They're investigating. Right. Maybe a guy, an air conditioner falls out of the window, <laughs> falls on someone. He's laying there in the alley underneath the air conditioner, dead body, and this guy goes... Talk about being chilled.
2: (laughs) It is so true. And he had those little glasses he would dramatically put on his glasses as he said the line. Yeah. And he would leave every scene in a very dramatic turn and walk. You're right. Hey, he was like the real-life Michael Scott, uh, (laughs) or Michael Scarn, excuse me, the real-life Michael Scarn, like on The Office, Mm -hmm. clean up on aisle five. (laughs) Feaver. In CSI Miami, the redheaded guy, if there was a murder in a grocery store, he would absolutely have said the line It's like a clean up on aisle five. The way that Michael Scott's fictional character would have in the Michael Scarn deal that he wrote. Do you not agree with what I'm saying? Yeah,
3: absolutely. He would have definitely done that. He split he's maybe he slipped on the spaghetti sauce. <laughs> to another line. He slipped on the spaghetti sauce, maybe hit the back of his head on the floor, and this guy goes, now that's Italian.
2: Veeve, <laughs> you're way too good at this, first of all, okay? And somewhere, I hope that Mike Judge, the creator of King of the Hill and all these others, could hear what a talent you have for writing a hilarious spoof CSI type of show and that Mike Judge comes in, creates a cartoon about it, hires you as a writer, and you can loan me some money because you'll become a multimillionaire doing that. Because you really have a talent for this. I don't know if you realize that or not. I don't, but that'd be fun. (laughs) Now that's Italian. (laughs) (laughs) That's too good. Oh, that's great. We'll we'll take it a step further tomorrow. Because let's be honest, as many of these CSI shows have existed, there's a great chance that periodically or every other day we're going to have a on-this-day-in-television-history-note from some CSI show for sure. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. I don't know how many problems we solved But I know we addressed quite a few here on the show in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. I'm Matt for Beaver, all of us here. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. See you then.